What are they trying to teach our kids? What are they trying to do to our kids? Why are they trying to introduce sexuality at an age when, let's face it, this stuff shouldn't be introduced? I mean, whatever happened to the innocence of childhood? I want to play you a clip here of a father who was pretty upset because his young boy, age 11, had seen some rather inappropriate literature in the school library. He tried to check it out because he wanted to bring it home to show his dad. It was filled with obscenities, by the way, highly sexualized content. And when he did, the librarian said, oh, can I get you an illustrated graphic version of that? Anyway, the child went before the school board in this little town of Raymond, Maine. I know it well. I grew up nearby. And I'll just say, you know, it's so sad that a young child has to get up there in front of all these adults, read this material, which was, again, incredibly inappropriate, filled with profanity, filled with highly sexualized content, in order for some of these adults to wake up to what's actually going on. Let me show you what his father had to say right after he sat down. Take a listen. So that's my son, okay, 11 years old, and went to his library and found that by the entry door of our library, this is the smut that he is finding, all right? I don't care whether it's gay, straight, bisexual, whatever the terms are for all this stuff, doesn't need to be at our school, doesn't need to be at my 11-year-old's library. And then as far as genderqueer, I've got a son in the high school as well. And this is bullshit. We know it, all right? We do not need to be having literature that's showing boys how to suck them, all right? This is, I'm very, very frustrated about it, okay? And you may think that schools know the best for our children. You know who know the best for our children? The parents. Amen. Isn't that the truth? Parents, we know best. Parents want to protect our kids, right? That's, that's what we're here to do. That's what we're meant to do. That's how it works, you see. A man and a woman have a child. And then that man and woman want to protect that child. We protect our children so they can go on to live happy, healthy lives and one day have children of their own that they will then in turn protect. And so it's absolutely appropriate that that father and every father and every mother that comes across their children being exposed to this material, stand up and say, hey, you know what? Wait a minute. I don't think this is appropriate, or I don't think it should be on the school library shelf for an 11-year-old to pick up. This is the issue here. I mean, this is what Democrats don't get, that parents naturally want to stand up for their kids. They want to protect their kids. They want to protect the innocence of childhood. But for some reason, these days, standing up for your kid saying, hey, you know what? I don't think this material is appropriate. I don't want my kid reading this. This somehow makes you a target for the FBI. This is the question that Republicans are trying to get answered right now. They're trying to get to the bottom of this. I mean, there is a deadline approaching for none other than U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, FBI Director Christopher Wray, and Education Secretary Miguel Cardona. They have until tomorrow, you see, to turn over documents to the House Judiciary Committee about the alleged FBI investigations into parents attending school board meetings. This is in response to the memo. Remember that infamous memo that Garland sent? He issued about a year and a half ago. Well, whistleblowers have since come forward, and they've alleged that there is a special division 
created in the FBI to investigate parents who dared to speak out on behalf of their children. Is that, in fact, the case? We want to know for sure. And if it is, oh, there's going to be H-E-double-L to pay. Believe me. Anyway, the information is due tomorrow. They've got to turn it over, and we'll go from there. I'll just say this. As somebody who is a passionate defender of our First Amendment, as somebody who believes so strongly in our freedom of speech, I am really disgusted by the total lack of willingness of our government by Democrats to understand and appreciate where these parents are coming from. That book that the 11-year-old, you saw the father, that the 11-year-old was reading in his school was not appropriate for an 11-year-old. I'm not in the business of banning books. Believe me, I want to be able to read anything and everything I can get my hands on. The good stuff, the bad stuff, and everything in between. I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. When the internet tries to decide for me what I'm allowed to see or what I'm allowed to read. I don't appreciate it when the technology, social media companies decide something's off limits because they're getting an edict from above to not allow the masses to read something. I mean, Wow. Reminder, by the way, this is a good time to remind you to please make sure that you have subscribed to this channel. There's a subscription button right there. Make sure you also get the alarm, the alert, so that you're you're finding out exactly when I have a show or I have a clip because it's important right now. It really is. So quick reminder to do that also to subscribe to the podcast where I am over on Apple iTunes. Because I will tell you, I have been through all kinds of shadow banning myself, all kinds of it. I'll still say what I want to say, but I'm very aware of how challenging it is out there. And look, if you're going to pick an issue, you really want to pick this issue of exposing 11-year-olds, I'm talking to the Democrats right now, to this kind of junk, that's what you're going to hang your hat on? I mean, fine, you want to put it in the public library where somebody wants to go and get it. That's a different story. Right now, you're putting it in kids' libraries, in school libraries. And you think, oh, this is cool because it's so provocative. Oh, you don't need that in school. I believe in appropriate things in appropriate places. The left clearly doesn't. They don't because why else would they have shut down anyone who tried to examine the reality that we now are seeing come into focus. Both the FBI now and the U.S. Energy Department have said, yeah, you know what? (laughs) If it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck, sounds like a duck. It's most likely that the coronavirus came from Wuhan, China. Something that I told you quite some time ago. I had on very good sourcing I'm not saying it was deliberate. My sources never said it was deliberate. That's a whole other conversation that some people are entertaining. And you got to get to the bottom of everything. That's what I believe in. And they shouldn't be shutting off people's ability to read or to hear any of this information. So on the one hand, they're saying, oh, you can't look at whether or not coronavirus might have come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's what they did. That's what they did. They shut people down. They went absolutely ballistic when this first came out. It was Donald Trump who actually first said it. I had already heard it, though, months earlier from sources within that so-called deep state that were investigating this stuff for real. 
So they went nuts. And yet simultaneously, they're like, let's put all this literature on display in kids' libraries across the country. Come on. Come on. I'll tell you, you know what Joe Biden has created, along with the Democrats, a massive, massive industry in education. This is an industry that's huge and filled with bias and a desire to indoctrinate kids, clearly, teaching them about sexuality years before they really are ready for this stuff and outside the safety of their own homes. Why? Oh, because the education industry, you see, feeds upon itself. These kids go to school where they're indoctrinated and then they go on to college. Theoretically, that's what they want them to do where they will be indoctrinated some more. So then they come out and they can indoctrinate more children. And you got a giant industry around this that is costing taxpayers and costing these kids an absolute fortune. You know, since the year 2000, the cost of college tuition has soared 181%. It's a lot, especially considering hourly wages have only gone up about 104%, which means college costs are going up so much more than anything else. And the reason for it, because it's supported, you see, by the federal government through massive loan programs. You know, costs for other things have gone down. Cost of television, down 98% since the year 2000. The cost of computer software, down 72% since the year 2000. But no, no, not education. No, no, we got to go indoctrinate these kids and, and forget about actually teaching them things that might actually help them for the future. Things like, oh, I don't know, how to invest, how to make sure you plan your retirement. What is a mortgage? How do you get one? We're not teaching them anything that they really need to know, but somehow it's important to have those books that were just mentioned. That one particular one that he mentioned, by the way, has created a huge uproar. A lot of states, a lot of communities have banned it from schools. And again, it's different when you talk about banning from school or banning from a public library, two very different things. We have to think about the appropriateness of some of this literature. That matters. But again, they're giving them that, but they're not telling them what it means when you, you get out a loan on a credit card or when you're heavily indebted. And now, according to new data from the New York Fed, millennials, they're going to pay the price. They have just undertaken the biggest increase in debt of any generation, just in the last three years, they currently have $3.4 trillion outstanding in debt. That is massive. I do not know how they're going to get out from under it. Maybe they won't. Maybe that's the idea. Maybe the idea is to create a generation of highly indebted individuals that are just going to be happy for any little crumb that the king decides to throw his minions of course, the Supreme Court might just get in the way of that. All indications thus far that we're getting from the Supreme Court suggest that Biden's attempt to wave a magic wand and forgive ten or $20,000 worth of student loans just isn't going to fly. It's not going to fly because that's not how the government was set up. You see, Congress controls the power of the purse, not the President of the United States. <laughs> so he's going to fall flat on his face, as he should on that one. 
But I suspect it was all about trying to get everybody excited, give them a little taste of something. Hey, we might give you a little crumb. We're not actually going to do anything to reduce the cost of your education, of course. No, no, no. That would actually take real work. And it might mean that we wouldn't have so many people eventually indebted. The government is lending insane amounts of money to 18-year-old kids with no strings attached. So you really think the cost of education is going to go down when you do something like that? Come on. I mean, somebody said to you tomorrow, here's a check. Go get a house, any house you want. You're like, okay, I'm going to go get a really nice house, right? And if you go get a really nice house and somebody else has that blank check and somebody else has that blank check, oh, they all want really nice houses. So suddenly the price of the houses everywhere goes up. That's exactly what's happened within the education system. Nobody explains that to the kids. Nobody explains economics, investing, planning for your retirement. Instead, they make them more and more dependent on the government. This is what big government wants. This is what gives big government power. Right? It's a good opportunity to remind you about taking control of your own financial future. And it's one of the reasons why I would encourage you to get an investing guide. It's free over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Wonderful sponsor of the Trish Regan Show. They have been from the very beginning. And if you're interested in investing in something like gold or silver, I'd recommend you give them a call, 1-866-589-0560. That's their number. I'll put it in the show notes as well. They can help guide you. They can help. I mean, it's not exactly necessarily the easiest thing to actually get some gold, whether you want it in your house, whether you want it in your safe deposit box, whether you want it via a gold-backed IRA, they can help. Call them at one 589 560 I'll tell you, there's somebody that could have used a little bit more financial education himself, and that would be the President of the United States. Of course, he could have used a little more legal education and maybe a little bit more national security education and, well, just a whole lot more education in general. But I want you to see him here because he's talking about the size of our national debt trillion, just an outrageous, outrageous, outrageous number. And somehow he thinks he's bringing it down? (laughs) Watch. I reduced the debt $1.7 billion. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. I'm I'm never sure what's going on in that, that head of the president's. But I think he's mixed up debt and deficit. That, that seems like something he would do, but it's worse than that because he doesn't even have his deficits right. So we are $31 trillion and counting every day in debt. That debt's going to get worse because interest rates are going up, which means we have to pay more to service our debt. Anyway, he, he's referring, I believe, to the deficit, which somehow did manage to get cut, though I wouldn't think it had anything to do with him. You see, we had spent... And we're spending all that money during the coronavirus crisis, right? We were, we were giving out checks, all kinds of spending. And so when that stopped, when that changed, well, naturally, the deficit was smaller. It's still a deficit. We're still in the hole. But by the way, he reduced it by $1.4 trillion, not $1.7 trillion. I don't know where he gets his numbers, but... Like we've said before, there's some fuzzy stuff going on. All that said, you know what? 
I would say this about the parents that care about their children. Do not surrender them to the federal government. Do not trust the federal government with their education. Make sure that you have a hand in things. Make sure you're watching closely. This is not North Korea, although sometimes, sometimes it feels like it is, especially when you consider the shutdown of information throughout COVID, how desperately the elites tried to control all the information that we got. I talked about that in the show just yesterday. Look, this is still America, and we still have a Constitution. We still have a First Amendment. So parents who want to speak up should. We need to be able to do that for our kids. We need to be able to protect them. People talk about this national divorce, which I don't believe in, and I feel very strongly we should not have, especially considering I live in a blue state. Listen, there's plenty of conservative people in blue states, and their rights need to be protected too. This is why we have a constitution. I suspect we will eventually get there. We will eventually get to a decent place. I hope for sure that we will. But it's because of gentlemen like the one you saw at the start of the program. It's because of parents like that that are willing to speak up for their children. That's what matters. Parents who speak up, their voices need to be heard. And that's going to make the change that we all need. Well, That and if you elect Fluffy for president, right? I talk about Fluffy every day. For those of you that like dogs, listen up. For those of you that have dogs, listen up. For those of you that don't like dogs, I feel sorry for you. (laughs) Anyway, Fluffy would make a wonderful president. He is strong and healthy, unlike the current person in the seat. And he's very smart as well. Very, very smart. And that's because I give him every day a supplement that ensures he gets all his vitamins, all his nutrients, all his digestive enzymes, all the things that he needs in order to be the happy, fluffy dog that he is. I give this to him daily as a supplement on top of his food. It's called Rough Greens. You can get it yourself. Actually, the owner of the company, the creator of Rough Greens, naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, he has a wonderful offer for fans of the program. Go to Rough Greens dot com forward slash Trish, Dr. Black and his dogs are extending to you your free jumpstart trial bag. All you have to do is pay for shipping. Just sign up. He'll send it to you. If you don't like it, you can cancel, of course, but I think your dog's going to like it. I think you're going to see a difference. I know that I've seen a difference. This is good for dogs, whether they're small, whether they're medium, whether they're large. Dr. Black has some huge dogs. Fluffy loves this stuff. He absolutely loves this stuff. And I've seen a difference. I've seen a difference, for example, in his allergies. He doesn't have the same kind of allergies that he used to. I believe it's because he's being fed right. So I encourage you to to look into it for your dog as well. Go to roughgreens.com forward slash Trish for your free jumpstart trial bag. This is a weird time. I suspect that it's going to grow more weird before it gets better. But at some point, things will change. They have to change. If they don't change, then we risk. We risk as a nation not continuing on in the same kind of way. You know, you think about great societies, great empires. A historian would tell you, on average, they last about 250 years. I mean, there are exceptions, and there have been exceptions in history, and we certainly hope that we will be the exception. But 250 years, I mean, we're coming right up on it. If you think about the birth of America being 1776... Well, we're just 
three years away from being 250 years old. So while we sit there and we talk about whether or not it's appropriate for kids to be reading this kind of junk in schools, China's kids are going to school year-round, all day, and studying any chance they can get in off hours. We've got to rethink our priorities. We've lost our way, and we've lost our edge. We need it back. Let's work together, shall we, to make sure that we get it back. Start today by subscribing to this channel. Subscribe to the podcast. Please give it five stars. That would be so great if you would. Over on Apple, iTunes, Podcasts. I'm on Spotify as well and on Google Podcasts too. So wherever you get your podcast, do me that favor. And we'll talk again tomorrow.